When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, it's Yasir and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT, live on Twitter space, if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joe will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that is at the Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. So Gerard, I'm going to open it up to you, man. Building meaningful relationships. What does it mean to you? I think the, the most important thing here is how you understand other people. So, again, building a connection. You know, people use this phrase a lot, connect before correct. I think even to Alex Ferguson, you see use that a lot himself. And, you know, whenever I think of meaning, this topic in particular, building, building meaningful relationships, that can mean in so many different ways, can't it? It can be with the players, it can be with the coaching staff, with your colleagues, it can be with parents. Uh, there's so many different avenues that we can talk about here. But ultimately, you want to make sure that, you know, I, I think anyway, you, you, you're finding some kind of way to connect with somebody. So, you know, from a club perspective, how well do you know the child that you, you're coaching or even kids that you don't necessarily coach? but that might be a part of your club, are you making them feel special? Are you saying hello to them? Are you greeting them? You know, I think greet and welcome and, you know, good manners are such a huge one. You know, I've come over, give an example, you know, states, I'm working here, you know, don't know anybody on my own. You know, I've got no uh, pre-existing relationships. I've had to build it from scratch. And, you know, I've got players that, saying hello to me, having a laugh and joke with me, players I've never met before, never seen before, but you find some way to connect with them, you know, even on the, on the, 
whether that be with the academy or even on the grassroots side. Grassroots, we've got around, you know, in the Sporting City North, you've got around 500 players in the competitive programme from U9s to U19 boys and girls. And I'll give an example, you know, we do stupid things. Where I, like, I laugh and joke with some of the players. I remember the other day with the under-14s, um, you know, we are talking about quick trip. And it's this gas station where you can get unbelievable coffee. It's fantastic. But even Casey's and Casey's Pizza... And it was just something silly like that, talking about like, oh, God, I love Quick Trip. Or I love going to Casey's, getting Casey's pizzas better than anywhere. And then just laughing about that, it built a connection with one of the players. And one of the players was laughing their head off because they love Quick Trip, they love Casey's pizza. And then instantly, anyway, fast forward a couple of weeks, one of these players came up to me, pure random, um, just asking me about my day. And even like in the session, one of the coaches, for whatever reason, um, that I know what they're doing. They're d- doing like individual development plans. We're having an individual chat with players. We're trying to co-design stuff. But got the coaches got them in like a scrimmage to play in a game. But obviously, maybe it's not the, the full attention isn't there in this game. So some of the players might be getting bored or whatever. This player I was talking about about the Casey's Pizza and Quit Trip has come over to me and asked, "Hey, is there anything? Can you just come over? Getting a bit bored? Can you get involved?" And I just think, like, would that player have come up to me otherwise? You know, probably not. Because they might have seen me as the, you know, director of coaching. Can I approach him or not? He's over there. He was actually talking to another coach at the time. Is that something? I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to, you know, go above the coach's head. Or There's multiple things. But this under-14 player went over and asked if I could coach the group and do some stuff. Of which case, obviously, I was straight in and I was coaching and giving him different challenges and supporting the other coach as well. I just think, I don't know, there's an example for me of like silly little things. And there might be things that you do where, you know, how often do you connect with players and let them know, like we do a thing where we do like a coach's spotlight. And it might be something daft like, you know, Tony likes spaghetti or Tony's favourite club is whoever. And it might be something they'll never know. Or, like, tell me something interesting about Yaz that I, don't, I wouldn't know. And it could just be something that those players will come up to you and go, oh, I saw that you, your favourite player is X, or you like, you know, this is your food or whatever. But it might just build a, a conversation. Um, and there's many other ways you can do it, as you know, Yaz, like how you make people feel special, how you build confidence with them, you know, how you coach them, how you speak to them is a huge one. How you make them feel when they leave practice, when they arrive practice. Again, greeting is good. But when you're coaching them, are they feeling like, you know, you're always having to go at them? You know, I talked about this in one of my last jobs where I was the head of coaching of a English football league club many, a few years ago, several years ago. And basically one of the coaches, I remember the player's name, Jamani, top, really good kid. Whatever reason, this kid hated this coach always coaching him. Just did, they just didn't have a good relationship. And when I looked at it and I was watching the session, I noticed that whenever certain players made mistakes, the coach would, whether he knew it by conscious or not, the way in which he'd like, identify that mistake was different to when Jamani did it. When Jamani did it, it always came across as like a negative or he'd freeze it and let everyone know. Or even if he spoke to Jamani, it was like, oh, God, I've made a... So this kid always felt like he'd been picked on or whatever. And he wasn't. Like, he wasn't actually getting picked on. Of course not. But 
that isn't how the kid interpreted it. So the relationship was bad. And I talked to this coach about this as part of his development plan, saying, you know, like, in terms of your level of influence um, and lines of communication, you know, how well do you get on with certain people? What players do you not have a great relationship with and why? How can you change that? What is it about your coaching style or your manner when you're delivering feedback that may um, hinder that relationship? So, again, I, like there's one theme and there's probably other stuff we'll unpack, isn't there, as, as always? But one thing for me is like the connection piece. How do you talk to them? How do you make them feel? How do you show vulnerability? How do you show you care? How do you show... Uh, interest, how do you have common interests, you know, the Casey's pizza thing, it could be anything watching the games, you watch a Man United game I've seen coaches talk about I've seen players come up to coaches and go, ah, oh, Man City beat Leah, but little things like that, it's great and I think you, once you've got that initial connection, you can then start to build more rapport and then the rapport is powerful because once you have that powerful rapport and you build that meaningful relationship, you can then start to go places within that coaching journey that you never thought you could because it becomes very individualized and very personal. Um, and that obviously requires a lot of trust where they have to feel like, you know, you're fighting for them. You're fighting for them in your, in their corner. You've always got their best interest. You're going to be their biggest advocate for them. You know, whether it's trying to get them a contract, trying to do whatever you can to help them, that's what they need to feel like. I think that's, again, it just comes back to that connection piece. How do you connect to them? I think so much in what you've just said there, Jordan, as, as you're speaking, is one thing that kind of just springs to mind is the example of, um, I was recently watching this Mike, Mike Tyson uh, docuseries, right? And it was uh, just focusing on how you know, Costamato and uh, Mike Tyson had their relationship. <clears throat> and ultimately, it got to a point where Mike Tyson, you know, initially when he first met him, he thought, he thought this guy was weird. He didn't know, he didn't know what, the, what his intentions were. But as time grew, he kind of just recognised, this guy just wants me to do well. And it's interesting that you say that, because, you know, obviously, you know, I've recently started a club. And... You mentioned there about that coach having, you know, conscious or unconscious, you know, um, understanding of the impact on certain players. I, I come into the club. I've, I, you know, I barely met some of these players. I've only known them for a few weeks, and some of them are literally. They're always asking me, oh, "Are you going to come over and watch our session? You're going to come over and watch our session?" Right. What, what, one player in particular was like, "Oh, got, got our first game this week. Are you going to be there?" And it's like. Do you know what? I wasn't going to be there because I had my own plans. But <clears throat> now that you've asked me, you obviously want me to be there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be there. Uh, but I, I didn't actually tell them that I was going to be there. I showed up on the day and they were, they were ecstatic that I was there. God knows why. Um, but it just goes to show that, you know, you could, you could be having an impact on people without even realising. Um, but coming back to what else you, you know, something else that you touched on there is, is that trust piece. I think it comes from them having an underlying trust with you or within you. You're there to support. You're there to actually better them, and not for any net, not for any ulterior motives. Like you, you, you literally just want to support them and getting getting where they can get to as best as they can. And I think that that piece is key. So I think it's recognizing that as as much as we can be intentional around certain things, we also really need to be recognizing what our subconscious behaviors and biases and and you know our, our actions and the impact they have on individuals as well. So I guess on on that. 
what what are some what are some of the things that you know that you, you could say that you've seen where it's had a direct impact? And I know you mentioned a brief story there about you know the the, the Casey's thing and it's just it's just connection, isn't it? Really, it's, it's open it's opening up the opening up that door that you can step through and they can just have that open and honest relationship. I think more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think how how you find some kind of common ground or rapport, whether it's again showing an interest in them, their life, and obviously the obvious ones would be when they're coming. How's how's the day at school gone? You know, just taking an interest, finding out because it might be that something's gone on at school, something's happened that day, cats died. I don't know. People talk about these things, but you know, there could be something that's going on that will have an impact on the football side of it. And I think, you know, we always forget or potentially not forget, but we might undervalue the power that football has in the sense that this is their release valve. So when they're coming to practice, you know, it's enjoyable. It's got to be enjoyable because we don't want it to be too much like school per se, where it's serious and there's examinations and things like that. You want it to be this environment where they just can't wait to get out the car sprint from the car park onto the grass because they know they're going to play and they know they're going to have fun. They're going to see the teammates, going to see you. Like you, they were, they were happy to see you. That's a great sign, you know, because something has happened there that you've built some level of rapport and trust and and care. And it all comes back to care as well. Like, how can you show care? Whether it's the way in which you give them feedback, whether it's explaining things to them, you know, when you're bringing them off on a game. Oh, you're putting them in certain situations. They might not start. They might be on the bench or they might play in other positions or they might not play as much. But how you're explaining stuff to them versus just doing stuff and then not explaining. Then they're going away worried and they're trying to second guess and they're not having a good time. And then they go home and then obviously they'll unleash maybe some. Some might not talk, but some will. And they'll unload that onto their parents. And then that creates more potential drama or anxiety or whatever. I think just communication is key, letting them know what you're doing and why, what the plan is and why. Involving them, co-designing stuff, giving them autonomy, um, you know, involving them in the session design, showing that you trust them. I mean, little things like when we talk about relationships, I've seen coaches go, guys, I want you to set up your own area. Here's the here's the practice, bum, bum, bum. Right, off you go. There's some cones, off you go. But then what do they do? They immediately start getting them step in because it's not right per se. So it'll be, no, 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 look, put the cone here. And, well, there you're telling them you don't trust them. So why, what's the point? So next time it's, they're not going to want to do it because they know you'll just step in anyway. So like your behavior has to match the message. So little things like that will build or potentially damage a relationship, right? Um, the way in which you treat them will damage a relationship if they're made to feel like you don't trust them. You've had them on your roster, you've picked them, you've put them on the team sheet, but you don't play them as much. That's sending a message that you don't think they're good enough, you don't want to put them on because you're worried that they're going to hand, you know, hinder the score. So that'll ha- like, that won't help the relationship. Um, I think getting to know their names, I mean, everyone talks about you know, all the top coaches where they knew the grandparents' names, the mum and dad's names, you know, what the dog was called, when their birthday was. Like, remembering key moments in their life that are really important to them, I think that's a huge way of building a relationship. 
And obviously, we're talking about players, but those traits, you know, we're all we're dealing with human beings at the end of the day. So it's the same when you're working with staff. It's the same when you're working with parents. Remembering that, you know, someone's birthday, simple thing like that. But this day and age is so easy because your your iPhone tells you everything anyway. You know, there's so much information interconnected, and you get notifications on your phone and things like that. There's no real excuses per se now. Like maybe back in the day, you'd have to trying to do a bit more writing down or something. Now there's a lot of things that you can find out digitally. So I think it's just making those connections. Um, that's what I would say, just finding ways to get to know the other person and show that you care. No, I think you're spot on. I think one of the key things that you can do to, within that, especially with youth players, is actually building relationships with their support network. Mums, dads, brothers, sisters, find out what, you know, find out how they're getting on. I remember I had a player about a couple of weeks ago, um, usually she's really bubbly, always, you know, always laughing and joking, a bit of banter with her. And then one day came to a game and, you know, she was just completely different. I didn't I didn't say anything. I thought, you know, there could be something going on. I asked if she's okay and whatever. Um, she was like, yeah, I'm all right. Let it come to find out after the game that she was in. Um, had a quick conversation with dad that, you know, grandma passed away. And it's just little things like that. You know, having that having that relationship where parents recognise they can come and talk to you, they can tell you a little bit about what's going on. In fact, you know another another one that really surprised me actually that was quite interesting. Um, I had a player the other day that I was working with, and you know I was expecting a lot from the players, demanding high intensity in the session, a lot of work, and I could see that they were trying. But it, this guy actually came across, came across to me in the session. He goes, oh, "I'm re- I'm really sorry, yes. You know, I, I, I just wanted to let you know that um, I'm actually carrying an injury." That's why, you know, if I, if I wasn't 100% today, then um, that, that's the reason why. You know, I, I was trying really hard. And as soon as she said that, I was like, don't, don't worry about it. You ain't got, you ain't got to apologise. But what I did do is I said, you know, thank you for telling me that, though, because I really appreciate that. And I think just little things like that can go a long way because it's like, OK, well, I'm going to be more open in the future, possibly. I'm gonna let, maybe, let, maybe, <clears throat> maybe let the coach know at the start of the session that I'm not 100%. Um, and because... In a lot of situations where players do say they're injured or whatever, coaches sometimes pretty much say, look, just get on with it or whatever that looks like. Do you know what I mean? And I think those little things there where you're, you're just really looking out for the best interest of the individual. And if they recognise that and they, they, can, they can see that, you know, all you want is the best for them and you, you, you are open to understanding that not every day is going to be great. I think that goes a long way as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think, again, it just how much do we know about the individual? How much do we show that we care? Because often, I think, in, in coaching, like how well do they know what our intentions are that we do generally care about them? Or are they just another number? You know, whether you think about academy settings, they know that, you know, the first, probably one of the first rules, really, when you're trying to be a player within a, an elite or whether it, like a higher performing talent centre environment is learning how to survive because every year is like retain or release. So the ones who do well learn how to survive. Do you know what I mean? That's probably one of the first things. And then, and then the other, the other things come later. So do they know that you care? Because obviously the reality is even though parents have a lot of power now as well, Right, is like academy setting. You've got the players coming to your environment, and you will pick and choose them. They're selected, you know. So you're a, and 
in most cases in some grassroots as well, you're going to say, hey, you know, we want you to play on this team or not. So because of that, you're, you know, they know that at some point you may replace them with someone. So, you know, are they just another number? Are you treating them like another number? You know, especially in academy football where because of EPPP, they're assets, their registration equals an asset worth X amount of thousands of pounds. So I think there's loads of things that we've got to remember that they're probably aware of, or at least if they're not, the parents are, that we've got that will influence. But I think doing things outside of football is a huge one. You know, whether it's talking about things outside of football or doing trips outside of football. Football's great with tournaments and festivals and international tours and things like that. But how often do we take kids out and do bowling nights or other team events or watch watch a game, organise a time where everyone can come in and watch a movie or watch a game, watch the you know, Champions League final, watch their first team play if they're 100. Like we did it the other day where the first team were 500 miles away, but everyone was in. Because <laughs> so I just remember this from being in Morocco where like, the national team would be playing, but everyone's in the training ground and they're like eating food, very relaxed, and they're in and they're socialising together whilst watching the team play. So you've got a support for the team, but you've also got the connections within and people are laughing and joking and, teasing each other and whatever how, how are we creating environments where there's more interconnections within the group which again will help them to learn how to build meaningful relationships because a huge part of coaching is preparing people for society isn't it so we have to make sure that you know we're, we're developing them as good people and what have you have they got the coping mechanisms to learn how to how to have friendships how to regain friendships how to you know, deal with falling out with people or how to deal with different challenges. Like, that's all part of it as well, isn't it? Because, as you, like, said, like, you know, the playing on teams, you're going to have different characters. How do you deal with that? So we've got, a, you know, a bit like school, you've got to put them in environments where they've got to loan those challenges as well. I think you're spotting. I think, you know, I think a question I probably should have started with is what does it, what does it mean to you to have a meaningful relationship with someone? Because that can look so very different as well. Well, yeah. I mean, for me, I don't know what your answer is. and It'd be interesting to get thoughts from people. But for me, a meaningful relationship is where we all respect each other, but we're, we're also there for each other, you know, in different situations. You know that there's uh, you can be relied on. Trust that whether it be in a work capacity or another capacity, that there's a trust that someone's going to help you in something that you'll need. Um, but I don't know. It might be a, a different definition to someone else. I guess there's no right and wrong. No, there isn't. But why, I think why I asked that question more specifically is there's, there's going to be relationships sometimes where you, you don't have to like the individual, but you trust what they're doing and how they're doing it and, and, and the impact it can have on you as well. Yeah, 100%. Trust is a huge one. Connection's a huge one. I think giving ownership, you know, especially if we're talking about players, I think one way of building that positive relationship, that meaningful relationship, is giving them ownership and letting them know it's not me, it's not my, it's not I, it's we. Because, you know, that's a huge one in terms of vocab, where you're trying to create that culture and that environment and 
those good habits because often as you know we're a lot of people say me and my or i i and my team and and i always think well it's not your team like it's the clubs right it's and we sounds much more powerful we ours us because there's a collective versus me mine i i think this you know so i think that's a part of it as well in terms of relationship because the vocab that we use can equally uh, separate people from each other. No, I think you're spot on. Um, let's get Johnny on it. I've got some thoughts on what, you, what you've said, but let's see what Johnny's got to say first. Yeah, Johnny, great to see you. Hey, fellas. It's nice to see you two are so in sync that you are getting ill together at the same time as well from across the water. That's quite impressive. <laughs> we're, just, we're, we're literally... Anyway, getting to the point, um, I think it's important in terms of building relationships and I've kind of been educated in a way of you need to make sure you separate the person from football, no matter who it is. I think it's important to identify them. Most of the time you ask anyone you're coaching, they'll say, who are you? And they'll say they're a footballer. And you've got to be quick at breaking that down and saying, no, you're Gerard, you're a son, you're a brother, you're a friend, you're you. And then football comes along with it. Um, something I've been you know, reminded constantly by a mentor of mine also is that feelings are unique to the individual. So whether you agree to agree, agree to disagree, or wherever you are on that spectrum, I think it's important if you're trying to build that meaningful relationship. And meaningful is an important word. Huh? You always have to remember that, that feelings are unique. Um, I think it's a really important topic. And I think to wrap on this bit, yeah, I could say so much, but I think being consistent is vital and then building confidence on top of that as well. Uh, quick example you know, you'll play one of the lads or girls on the pitch are getting frustrated and annoyed and it's just a simple sentence after, you know, half time. They're walking off and it's just a little, you know, you're the best player on the pitch. Just keep plugging away. It'll happen. Things like that. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, boys. Actually, I just want to dive in real quick because it's I completely agree with everything you said and I think the consistent messages is huge. Um, there was something you said that triggered a, a memory when you talked about you know, who are you? And we had this issue at Rovers where we actually did a test one night. And long story short, because we would look at people's Instagrams and a lot of the young lads, even kids, not, I'm not talking about the scholars or the pros, like just even the kids in that, the under 12s, under 14s, whatever, under 16s, you'd see on their Instagram accounts, they'd put like, I'm a footballer at wherever, right? And we asked them, like, who, like, who are you? How would you describe yourself? And these under-14 players all said, I'm a footballer, I play for Bristol Rovers or whatever. And we thought, well, are you a footballer though? Like That doesn't define you, as you said. Like You're someone's brother or you, you're much more than that. But we all do it, even on our, like I will, like on my bio, you know, on my Twitter handle, I'll talk about my role or whatever. And it just made me, it just triggered a thought in my head because it's, especially we're talking about like emotional intelligence or mental health and things like that you've actually struck a, a big one because we actually said to these players, well, if we were to, if you weren't pl to play for obviously Rose anymore, if you weren't, f what would, you know, who, what would that mean to you? Like what would happen? And basically the lads were like, well, I'm nothing. 
And this is true. This is their response. I said, I'm not a footballer anymore. So we were like, wow, that's bloody powerful. Because we're thinking, we asked them in a random training session. But the bottom line being that this under 14 kid basically thinks, I'm a footballer. So if he gets released, we've took away his foot. So now he's nobody anymore. He can't. He doesn't know who he is. And I think that's like a real danger, isn't it? So you've actually hit something quite hard there, which I don't know if it's on topic or not, but it's a good point in that. How are we helping these players like see themselves in society outside of the fact that they just happen to be talented at playing football at that moment in time? You know, so really good point. Sure, I think you're spot on, you know. Um, and I think, you know, the, you know, the type of conversation is building meaningful relationships. But I think really it's what does that actually mean? What does it mean to have a meaningful relationship with someone? I think you touched on it earlier. It's about having that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. building that confidence but I think one of the key words that really kind of just jumps out at me throughout everything that's been said so far is how are you having an impact impact is the word you know what does that look like does it have to be something that's related to on the pitch you know this you know you hear about hear about it all the time where players even even pros have got strong relationships some of the backroom stuff and they might not even be coaching stuff they might be you know the, the kit man or you know the, the the physio or or the, the performance analyst or whoever else that may be in the building, and I think it it it, it just kind of goes to highlight the impact isn't always what it says on the tin. If you like, it doesn't have to be on the field, it doesn't have to be you know in the gym, it doesn't have to be wherever else it may be. It, it, it's just whatever whatever's needed for that individual, and however you feel you can have an impact and support that individual in getting to where they want to get to, or just you know sparking a conversation throwing a question out there that makes them think putting them in a situation like the one you've just described with the under 14s where, you know, where they're thinking well you know that that that, that that's that's all they are that's their be old and end all being a footballer at Bristol Rovers as an example but the reality is you know we, we speak about this all the time people don't know what they don't know and I think sometimes it's it's, it's a common one as well and, you know I was speaking to coaches about this the other day on a course and saying if I asked you what you were good at, what would you say? And they were all, you know, pretty much all stumped. Whereas if I say to you, what do you think you can develop on? They've got shed loads of things that they want to come up with around what they can develop on. And I think it just goes around to that piece of, well, actually, no, we're all good at something. We just need to start thinking about what it is. Sometimes it might not be obvious and in front of our faces until we start to look at, look at and reflect on what it is that we're doing, how we're doing it, what have we been praised for in the past, you know, 
what what do we often get feedback on that we the people say that we're positive and good at what do we get feedback on that you know doesn't doesn't go that way either so yeah i, really, I think that's you know, a massive part to what, what you've just said and i think it's just recognizing that building meaningful relationships is about having impact um, in any way shape or form that you can johnny go for it man I just want to push on that point you talked there, Yaz, about how people build relationships through other people. As the coach or the figure, you, sometimes it's hard for people to approach you or to be completely open with you. And the joys of football clubs is there's people everywhere, whether they're volunteers or in paid roles. So whether it's someone in the pie hut, whether it is a janitor or a physio or scouts that you come in, I think there's ways of building other relationships with the wider team of the football club and you don't know if a parent or somebody could interact with them and it's a simple oh no I know Gerard really really well just go and chat to him so again it's it's kind of branching off into how many people can I affect you know how many branches are on my tree that can then help improve the sort of synergy of the group <coughs> no I think you're spot on Johnny I think that one of the other key things within that is also having that that open and honest conversation with the people around you, recognising that, you know, how reflective are you? How, how open to criticism and how open to feedback are you? Recognising that there's going to be certain individuals that do go to other coaches, do go to other individual staff members within the club and other people within the organisation. And it could purely be on the basis they don't feel comfortable going to you, but it might be something that you as an individual coach are not aware of. And I think recognising that and having that open pathway of communication with other people around you it's definitely definitely part of this, you know, because ultimately sometimes you might be the person that needs to help that individual, but if you're not aware that that person needs help or that that person is, you know, maybe scared or you know embarrassed or lacking confidence in in, in able to approach you, then it's never going to happen. So I think you know a big part of this is actually how honest and open are we with ourselves around how impactful and how conscious we are with our behaviours, if that makes sense. So I think great, great point there. Gerard, you know, just a quick one on you then. Isn't it? You know, you've, you've worked across several different continents, worked with people from all around the world. Are there any consistent things that you'd say are, are present in, in, in being able to have that impact? And, you know, how much does culture play a part of that? Really good question. I think, well, culture is a huge one because you've also got to understand like context and how things can be interpreted or misinterpreted. Because I always remember working with one player um, at one of the pro combine events. It was a decent player, really good goalkeeper. Um, I think, I'm trying to think if he was from Japan. I can't remember. I think he was from Japan. But anyway... Long story short, goalkeeper um, made a, a massive, like, real big error in this game. There was agents in the stand. There was other uh, people. It was a pro combine event, so he had to be um, all American, all state. They were all from typical D one colleges. There was other various clubs in the pro game looking at people, and it was at the IMG Academy in Florida. And um, a lot, a few of the lads actually end up getting signed for pro clubs and playing in Sweden, Norway, Finland and so on. Um, Americans and what have you, Brits and what have you. This lad in particular had made an error in the game and 
the coaches were going a bit loopy with him afterwards because of his reaction, because he started laughing about it. So he was laughing, and he was like high fiving the defenders. I think it, if I remember right, it was like a back pass or something, and it's gone under his foot. Then he's tried to play it out, and he's scuffed it anyway. It's ended up in the back of the net. So, but he's laughing about the mistake. Now, they misunderstood that, and I was as well. I was looking at thinking, well, that's a bit bizarre. Like, why is he laughing about that? But that was his way of dealing with it, so it wasn't like embarrassment. So one of the guys is like, no, he's not like, you're taking it the wrong way. It's not that, because culture or whatever, it's actually, it's it's um, it's to show, so that they're not seen as a vulnerable-like mistake. It's like laughing it off, It's because otherwise it's like embarrassing. So he's not making fun. He's not being disrespectful. It's actually how they would deal with that error. And I always felt, well, that's a bit different. And um, and even some of the stuff I'd see in Morocco, where certain players you'd have to you'd have to go over them. I mean, some of our superstars, you know, culturally we're trying to crack the whip in terms of you know typical British American whatever like Google Docs and <laughs> and Zooms and. You've got to be at the meeting. If the meeting's 10 o'clock, it's 10 o'clock and all this. Or we're at, we're doing a walkthrough and we're doing video. We're going to explain the session before. We're going to frame the session. Then we're going to go out on the pitch, right? But there'll be some lads who just wouldn't. They'd be late for the meeting. They're notoriously late. Or they'd be strolling in, you know, in the afternoon for that second session with the national team or whatever. And I remember some of that culture was quite difficult to accept at times. And you'd often have that with, like, when you're talking to people about, um, you know, meeting tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Yeah, inshallah, inshallah. Yeah, but we're meeting at 10 o'clock. No, no, inshallah, you know, if God wants. But you, it is a different culture, you know, and it, and very much like Arabic, bashwia, bashwia, shway, shway, tranquil. You, you've got to go with the flow. You've got to go with the flow. And some of these lads, like, they don't, rules and certain constraints can restrict them. And they can feel right overly constrained and it, it can be limiting on them. Like it can hurt them. And the, some you've just got to be a bit like, it can't be typical England. Like, no, if we say 10 o'clock, that means get there at quarter to nine. You know, sometimes like, it, it can be okay. It sounds weird because you've, you've got your standards, but some things you can bend a little bit. And I think that's important for the relationship because if we go in like with an iron fist and certain things we don't understand, um, things can be misinterpreted. Like, for example, without throwing anyone under a bus, but like on a Friday, and it's Friday, and I know people play the game a bit, but Friday, prayers, couscous, it basically means if you're not doing anything, we're going to relax, we're going to go, we're going to do a church, we're going to pray, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're done. And pretty much, you know, you, you're not going to see them until Monday. But again, some people coming in, and on a Friday we're having a meeting, going through stuff, and it's now gone two o'clock. You're now losing people because they're getting peed off because it's like this is no like that you don't do that culturally. That's a no no, you know, or like how you do things during Ramadan and things like that. So, like I've got millions of examples that could go on for hours to be honest with you, but of like what not to do. And I think it all comes down to just understanding where other people are and like what's acceptable to them and what isn't. So it all comes down to expectations, doesn't it? Because you know, there's certain things that I'll get away with in America just because it's America and the culture and the, the intensity and the what have you. 
and the way you can respond to stuff. But then there's no way I'd get away with that in England or even like definitely not in a Morocco or whatever. So, and I do quite like that, you know, beshwee, beshwee, shway, shway, go with the flow, you know, easy, easy, because there is a calmness to it. And you quite, and again, like if you listen to stories about, um, do you remember Amrabat? And they're talking about Neil Warnock. He's done like an interview with um, Jimmy Bullard talking about when he took over. And this was a Moroccan player. And he was, everyone was saying, he's, he's going to get you the sack. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. But Neil Warnock saw some talent in him and, and accepted the flaws and, and embraced some other qualities and turned him into super strengths and put him in a position where he could be successful. And he ended up being one of the better players. And I think that's just a great example where I think you've just got to know where people are coming from and the culture and just, again, not jumping to conclusions and then imposing rules that we're either not going to enforce so why are we even doing it? Or if we are going to enforce it, what's going to be the impact on the environment, on the culture, on the relationship? You know, I've, I've got loads of examples, like with um, uh, famous top player, what's his name, but top, top, top players, currently managing the Premier League. Uh, I know because he told me this story on the pro. Long story short, he's come in and, like, cancelled uh, their ability to have cups of coffee and ketchup and this, that and the other. But again, like culturally in France, doing that, it just it, it it damaged some of the environments and some of the things and relationships and the way people even saw him now, because before they saw him as like okay and someone that could approach, and afterwards it changed the dynamic of the relationship just because of one little rule that was enforced, um, which didn't go down well with the group. So I think there's loads of things in there that to unpack, which is ultimately like we've got to understand. How we're, what we're about to say, how that impacts on the group or individually how it impacts on people and try not to be too quick to jump and try and see it from the perspective of someone else. And I've just been fortunate. I've worked in like Arabic countries. I've seen, I've worked in like all kinds of, as you know, like obviously working in Africa, working in Europe, working in, in uh, places like New Zealand and things like that and Italy and then obviously United States. It is so different. And I think one key quality, if you can have one as a coach, is the ability to adapt because you're dealing with such diversity, aren't you, in this modern game and so many people from different backgrounds. You've got to be able to adapt, I think. That's probably one thing we didn't talk about. If you're wanting to build relationships with people, is knowing where to bend and when not to because I think a huge part of relationships, and I, um, sorry if I'm going off on one, but I remember this in Morocco, just reflecting on my own job, was... We always talk about like getting them with us and getting them on our bus, but actually being okay to to allow them to bring us with them because it's ultimately it's like how you bring somebody with you, and I think that's a huge one in building a relationship. And I saw that first and in Morocco where people were getting fired left, right, and center, and I, I was reflecting, thinking, how much of a relation, how well have we done to build a relationship with these people that we need? We ultimately need them. Like they're the locals. They know the area, you know, speaks the language. They're there. They're going to be here long before we're gone. <laughs> so let's let's find a bridge here. And I think allowing to, to bring people with you and you with them, I think is a huge one as well in any relationship, how you bring them with you. Um, and that's adaptable in any continent, isn't it, mate? You can do that in any organization. How do you bring people with you on that vision? on that journey.
how do you get them bought in? I think you're spot on there, John. I think something that really jumps out at me as you're talking there is everyone is an expert in their own domain, recognising that everyone's got insights that we might not know about. And, you know, sometimes it is just going into their world and delving into their world where we can actually get access to that stuff. You know, one of the kind of um, biggest ones, you know, it's recent is that off the back of COVID and lockdown and all of that, you know, just how greetings have changed in football clubs and how it's been accepted, you know, five years ago or even three years ago, you think it would have been acceptable to go and, you know, give someone a fist pump? No chance. Now, <laughs> now, now, now everyone's embracing it. But the thing is, that in itself is probably a traditional greeting in a lot of different cultures. But God, yeah, yeah, I've done fist pumps for, yeah. It's actually weird, actually, because if I'd have done a fist pump years ago you in England, I think people would have, like, I'd have been probably looked at weird or, like, cringe or something. They'd have been like, what's he doing, fist pumping? Yeah, you're right, actually. But, yeah. but that's, that's the thing, like, you know, and, and you, you, I'll go back to it, and I think, you know, we, we was having this brief conversation yesterday about the difference between working in London and everywhere else in the UK, potentially. Right. Very different, so diverse, and there's so many different cultures within London in particular. And that is that is a normal, everyday greeting for some cultures, just to go and fist bump someone. Do you know what I mean? I, it's something that I used growing up with, with, with a lot of my friends as well. And it's, like you said, you know, if I'd done that two, three years ago, before COVID, people would have looked at me different but actually it's these little things that can potentially break down barriers and help you connect with certain individuals from different cultures a lot quicker than others and i think even even the you know <laughs> i chuckled a little bit when you mentioned about the inshallah thing and it's like my, my missus is from an arabic culture and you know that's what she's like yeah inshallah inshallah yeah <laughs> everything everything's inshallah. <laughs> like, babe, come on Come on, come on, let's 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 get this done. Yeah, inshallah, inshallah, <laughs> inshallah, like, inshallah. But, yeah, but it, I love it, it. it, you know, but it is, you know. And the thing is, you got to find. I think, I think, the, I think the best way to go about it is find find the humor in it, find the find the enjoyment in it, find the find the positives in everything that you know people bring to the environment. And it's not always about looking at it with a skepticism or a critique. And it's it's literally just embrace it, embrace it, and you'll go. It, it will take you a long way in terms of building those relationships being adaptable, recognising different cultures are different, people are different, people have their own individual needs and wants and interests. And, you know, it, it, like you said, it's about recognising that individual difference piece. It's, it's very much about how do I build relationships, but there's not a one-size-fits-all. And I think that's the real key piece to kind of really take away from what you're saying in order to be able to go, go ahead and impact those players, whether it be on the pitch, off the pitch, or wherever else it may be. I love the individual expert thing, like an expert in their own thing. I love that. I thought that was a really cool comment, actually, because even the more I think about it, I just think there's so many examples where, I could probably tell them off air, but I remember this one in Morocco, and one of the Moroccans coming up to one of the lads, and it's going, so, what's their name? So and so, just go with the fucking flow. <laughs> just go with the flow. And I just remember it because it's so intense. And it just it changes you because we used to laugh and we used to go, "You've been Moroccanized, you've been Moroccan," and I used to laugh, go, I mean, "I've been Moroccan," but you know what? Like just the way in which you you see things or you do things, I'm way better for it. The other day, someone said to me the other day about uh, the staff, like really like you, like you're you're too nice on them. Um, you know, I'm a lot harder than you. I'm a lot, you know, I wouldn't tolerate this. I wouldn't allow this. And I'm thinking I'm pretty hard where I need to be actually. I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but it was something. But I just thought, God, like, probably being in, like, Morocco where people can just, you know, you'd just lose people. You'd lose people 
you'd lose your own head, like, you know, you're paranoid, you just, you'd crumble relationships in a heartbeat. You don't need to overreact. You don't need to knee-jerk to everything. I think sometimes maybe our Western culture, like, was so intense. And actually, just go with the fucking flow. <laughs> just go with the flow. I love it. Rando one. Because you build a lot more relationships. You have more laughs and giggles. Sorry, Johnny, you got your hand up. That's all good, boys. Um, can I ask about the use of, like, TikTok and... You know, like FIFA cards and all these things. It, it's a world that I'm not in, and I want to know if if you are use it, if you engage it, because that's the way all the youngsters go now. Is everything's on TikTok and FIFA, and I'm just standing scratching my head half the time asking questions. So I want to know what you do. Yeah, as you might be better. Than yeah, that. <laughs> um, John, I think it's a really good one. You know, I think it. I think it. The, the key thing for me is it's about connection. Now, if that's a medium that they utilise to connect and, you know, engage with yourself or anyone else that they engage with, then that might be the best tool of communication for them. So, I mean, I, I personally don't do the whole FIFA cards thing, but I, I've seen it work and I've seen it have, have a positive impact. Um, it's not really it's not really something I do personally because maybe maybe the players I'm typically working with are, are, are a bit older and maybe that I don't think I don't feel they have, have the same impact on them. Um, but certainly... You know, just linking in with things like what's happening in, in social media and what, you know, what the latest, you know, maybe not TikTok specifically, but, you know, if there is certain things going on, you know, play, listen, players, play, people, people at the end, they just want to have fun. They want to enjoy themselves. And if you can bring a bit of that in the environment, um, and like Gerard said, be hard when you need to be hard and, you know, be, be, be a bit relaxed when you, need, when you can be relaxed and go with the flow when you can go with the flow and it's the right thing to do for the players. Then I, you know, I'm all for it, man. Whatever works for the players in, in in setting that environment. I think a large part of this, although the topic is about building meaningful relationships, I think a real key part of that is setting that environment where they feel comfortable, setting that environment where it's not just on the pitch that they, they have to adhere to certain things, but off the pitch there's certain standards that's expected of them as well. But those standards are standards that they they've accepted as well, and it's not. I think it's very difficult sometimes for coaches, and I and I see it all the time where coaches have certain standards that which maybe haven't been um, adhered to, but actually, in reality, they were never agreed to or, or agreed upon with the players and the people involved as well. So I think it's setting that environment. It has to be our environment. You know, Gerald talked about communication, use of language earlier around the use of we rather than I. And I th- you know, I think it goes a long way because it is our environment. What do you want it to look like? You know, what do you expect from me as a coach? What can I expect from you as a player? Have we got an understanding of that? Is there clarity on that? Do we... Do we you know, I'll be taking it each day as it comes. I'll be recognising that as time goes on, that that might change. Are we are we open to that changing? So I think there's so many different pieces within that. That you know, I guess in short, yes, get involved, man. Whatever it is, if it's not TikTok, if it's not your thing. Ultimately, the thing you've got to recognise is this: we're getting older, they're getting older. They're at a different stage in their journeys of their lives as we are. But in order to stay connected, we need to try and maintain as many mutual pathways or common ground as we can in that respect because especially for coaches as they get older and older and older the players unless you're, unless you're still working with the same players they, they're they going to be always new new trends, new TikToks, new Instagrams, new whatever it is that comes around so I think it is important for us to embrace that and just get involved in that to, to, a, to, a, to a point where it allows us to access them but you know 
hopefully, Johnny, we won't, we won't see you releasing any TikTok videos anytime soon with dances and stuff like that. Oh, lads, if if you want to, you know, get, let's say, even more ill, then I'll fire you out a TikTok dancing video. Don't worry about that. Definitely, no, no, send it across, man. We'll, we'll, we'll reshare it. Make sure it gets on a Sunday share as well. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw some uh, tactical arms in it for directing some players for you. Go for it, man. Go for it. <laughs> right, Gerard. Final, final, final words, man. I think it's a, it's been a it's been a different conversation, but I think it's what, it's been one that's um, I think definitely going to be taken on board and probably listened back to by a lot of people when they when they catch it on the podcast. But anything to wrap up on? No, I think it's probably like the most things that are always talked about are how you connect with people, aren't they? You know, getting to show an interest. So we spoke about that, didn't we? Engagement. What make like what? Why do they come and play the sport? We probably didn't even say that, but like, what makes playing football fun? What makes it? What What do they enjoy most about your practices or about whatever? Because that could be something else. Where again, I think about relationship with them, but like how are we designing stuff to get the best out of them and really get to know the individual, you know, and what makes it fun and is there ways that we can have that in the back of our mind and plan some of those experiences within a practice or within a match day or whatever, you know. But ultimately, I think tonight's probably even opened up other topics when we talk about like mental health or whatever, in that at Johnny's point around the football, it's a huge one, actually, that's a topic for another day. But even understanding that individual, how do they see themselves, Um how often, you know, what's your line of communication? What's your line of influence? Who do you have a great relationship with and why? Why do you get on well with these players? Because there could be bias involved, couldn't there? I was like, we haven't even spoke about that, but we will have a tendency to gravitate towards certain individuals more than others. It's natural, you know, because they might look and sound like us or they might mirror certain behaviours that we really like. We might have been a midfielder and they're a similar midfielder. You know, I've seen that. I always remember years ago with um, one at Lads. He's at Liverpool now, but he was a decent midfielder, small, played a certain way, and he had a tendency to like similar players like that because it reminded him of him. You know, so then there'll be a favouritism there where potentially other players might not have that same relationship with him. They might not get the same treatment or same coaching potentially. So you've always got confirmation bias and things like that um there's so much that you can go into when you think about relationships that go beyond you know how do you build a meaningful relationship to what influences building a meaningful relationship you know that's a topic for in its whole self i think that's where we've probably end up going towards as well which is pretty cool but ultimately get to know the person get to know the person and what makes them unique and find some common ground I think you're spot on, Jordan. I think the one the one thing that kind of just jumps out to me is, uh, as you're speaking is that old saying of "we don't know what we don't know." Let's take <laughs> time, let's take time to find out. Right, well, Jordan, look, it's another another a fascinating conversation. Um, some good insights, and I think you know it'd be really good to kind of just you know share some more insights in future conversations around your experiences around different different areas of the world. Um, but for this one, just maybe just wrap up, let people know where they can find you, where they can get in touch in, in terms of the ULMB platform and, and, and everything else that you do. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking now as well, you know that one, I think Johnny mentioned it the other day, but it said like, you know, 
how well do you, show how much you, you don't they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Everyone's heard that old phrase. But I'm just reflecting on this now, thinking that connection piece is so key. Like how often do we talk about correction and coaching is a lot about error correction. Typically it's error correction, even though we should be trying to get them better at things they're very good at, make them into super strengths. But why don't we connect before we correct? How well have we built a relationship first in order to, and that, that, you know, that was my thinking then. And I'd say, again, you know, really fortunate working with Yaz. Got pr- obviously the practice spectrum webinar we're coming up next weekend, which will be great. So make sure you're checking out for that. You Learnly, which is a digital coach education platform where you can access online courses and mentoring services currently used by hundreds of coaches around the world at different levels. So I'd really encourage you to check that out. And you can find us on Twitter at Gerard underscore Jones. And myself and Yaz are here, obviously, you know, every week, as you'll say, Yaz. Most definitely, most definitely. And guys, of course, you know, make sure you tune into Luke, you don't believe. Make sure you tune into the Coaching Network podcast. And if you're not already, make sure you're following us because we're going to be here most weeks, every Sunday, uh, 8 p.m. Different topics, different conversations taking place. If you've ever got a theme or a topic you want to hear discussed, or even just a question that you want to throw at us, feel free to get in touch. Drop us a DM, let us know your thoughts. And guys, until next week, take care, have a great evening, enjoy the bank holiday if you're in the UK, or if they're doing it wherever else you are. Take care, guys. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favourite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.